Hello and welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. This is Eddie Cohn, the host of the show. I'm really excited to welcome my friend and Beverly Hills-based dermatologist, Vicki Rappaport, to the show. If you're worried about your skin, if you want Botox or microdermabrasion, or if you just want your skin looked at, she is probably one of the most well-known dermatologists here in LA, and she's in Beverly Hills. Please go make an appointment. She's freaking super cool, super nice, and she is the real deal. And I'm really excited that she... I'm laughing because I just took a shot of Casamigos tequila. Today's show is brought to you by Casamigos tequila. Uh, obviously, it's not, but I think I've realized any issue that you have can always be resolved with tequila. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm just really excited that she took the time to talk to me on the show. And she's really freaking cool and really nice. And we get into social media. We talk about her practice. We talk about good skincare habits. Um, we talk about how her practice has changed so dramatically since opening her practice almost 17 years ago. Her practice was primarily, obviously, uh, medical. And, and if you haven't noticed, Botox has sort of become pretty popular over the last like 10 years. So her practice has obviously evolved and changed. But she still does a lot of she still does a lot of medical also, which I think sort of separates her from a lot of the practices here in Beverly Hills or Los Angeles. She still devotes her time to the medical side of dermatology. So I'm um, really happy that you're taking the time to listen to this week's show. You can find her on Instagram at Rappaport Dermatology. She is in Beverly Hills, so if you need to have your skin looked at or if you're thinking about any sort of microdermabrasion or facials or anything in that world, she's in Beverly Hills on Bedford. Her phone number, not her personal phone, but her office phone, 310-274-4401. Um, so yeah, just really quickly, creatively or artistically speaking, I just finished watching the show Chernobyl. You know, I, I you probably know if you listen to my show that I think uh, Netflix is sort of ruining the quality of television. So uh, I think it's rare that I find a show that I actually think is still really well done. Well, Chernobyl is amazing. Just finished the second season of uh, Big Little Lies on HBO. It's amazing. It's obviously not a very happy watch but it's really well done. So I don't know why I was thinking about television, but maybe because over the last few days I've been watching Big Little Lies and wow, it's really well done. Um, so yeah, if you don't know what the downward facing spiritual spiral is, basically I think Instagram is dramatically changing the way uh, people think, what, what our priorities are. So I like to talk to artists, musicians, doctors, who I think are impacted by the effects of social media. And clearly I would think a dermatologist uh, is having is being impacted by social media because people stare at their phones all day and, and want to look pretty all the time. So I wanted to talk to Vicki and sort of hear her take on social media and how her practice has been impacted by our culture's obsession with looking good all the time. So um, the reality the reality is though, she's a great doctor. And whether you, if you are interested in having Botox done or microdermabrasion, or if you have a mole that needs to be removed, or if you're worried about skin cancer, um, she is the real deal. And she's freaking amazing. And she's worth talking to and worth making an appointment to see. And I was blessed to have her on my show this weekend or this last week. She came over to my studio to talk. And um, yeah, so 
If you dig the show, please share it with people. If you feel the urge or if you feel inspired to head over to iTunes or Google and write a review, that stuff really helps. This coming week, I'm welcoming welcoming yoga teacher Derek Barris to the show. Uh, But for now, the conversation with Vicki Rappaport is coming up next. I super really appreciate you taking the time to listen and for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Well, I'm curious about what's wrong. No, I just thought I was falling backwards with the chair again. <laughs> yeah, do you... Um, do like, you want me to sit up? Well, whatever's comfortable for you. I'll just sit up and back. Yeah, cool. Is that good? That's good. <laughs> See, my new stance is to stay as relaxed as possible, yeah. even though I don't do yoga. Yeah. Let me hear you. Do you lean in when oh, you uh, talk? Yeah, I mean, you can see I'm sort of like... Without leaning. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Is that weird, just looking at my one eye? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Is that weird for you? No, because I can sit back and relax on my chair. I'm cool. pretty good. Um, it's already getting warm in here. Wow, we have to make this quick. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, In and out. Yeah. So you just, so op- you, just answer- opened up, you just opened up a practice in Culver City. Yeah. So yeah. I decided... When I was a young dermatologist, that I wasn't right. going to be that person who needed like seven locations. Right. I didn't need to, quote, spread my seed, unquote. Yeah. And then after 17 years, I realized, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get why people do it. Well, why did because you Because just... it's close to my house yeah. and I wanted to be a part of my community. And I found it the perfect little spot and it was just the perfect timing and the perfect place, really. Right. But I don't, it is hard because somebody asked me today, he's like, how are you doing two locations? And I said, I'm just... I, I didn't used to work on Friday, so of course I'm working on the day that I didn't used to work, which isn't necessarily good for me, but it's right. great that I have that day that I could put right in there. And then I just switched Wednesdays from Beverly Hills to okay. Culver City. And it's literally a block away from my house. So psychologically, that 20, actually it's 20 in and 20 out. So that 40 extra minutes that I Definitely. get, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Market, yeah. boxing, all my all my errands, I'm done. And then I have like the whole day to myself. Right. So psychologically, I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. And Culver City's booming. It's totally booming. It's yeah. it's like a happening spot. I know. It's kind of annoying. So people don't know this, but you actually saved my life. Oh, are you kidding? Well, you, you found skin cancer on me like 10 years ago. And that was like a big deal. And it was very traumatic going to UCLA and the guys like scooping out all this skin like over and over again. Y- yes. And I thought it was like some wart or something. And then like, no, it's actually skin cancer. And I'm freaking out because I'm sort of like a hypochondriac, of course. I saw it in your eyes. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Well, Not your eyes now, but your right. eyes back then. Well, yeah. Well, I'm still kind of freaking out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but so you kind of saved my life. And that was a really traumatic experience for me because I was there for like three hours and you go in and they scoop out the skin cancer and then you like go in the waiting room and then they basically tell you if you have to go back in. So I had to go back in five times. Okay. I definitely remember that. I don't remember that you had to go in back five times. I don't remember. And what you're talking about is you're talking about Mohs, right? Not every skin cancer has to be excised with Mohs, but yours was a particularly interesting 
kind and spit in place. And yeah, it was something that like nobody wanted to mess with other than a most surgeon. So I yeah. remember the, the, like the innocent doe eyes when I told you and I felt so bad, but oh. you did, you were a stud and you took care of it, which is what you have to do when you have yeah, that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm sort of jesting, but no, I appreciate you noticing it and finding it and being aggressive in the sense that don't sit on this and go get it yes. looked at. And, and I remember like a week later I was over at UCLA and having the most procedure and, Obviously, it went really well, but I just, I'll, I'll never forget that. And it was, it was, I appreciate it. Isn't that the, I never actually saw the episode, but isn't there that Seinfeld episode where he's like, you're a dermatologist, you don't do anything. And then she's like, well, we do cure or and see and cure melanoma. And he's yeah. like, oh yeah, oops, I forgot. Okay. So dermatologists, we do a lot of very superficial, superficial things, but we do a lot of very important yes. skin exams, catching skin cancers, catching melanomas you know, saving people's lives, as you say. Yeah. I love that you said that because I forgot that actually about you. I just remember you being a musician. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm i very grateful for you. You've, you've always been really cool and it's always great to see you and I'm really happy you're here. And I am sort of curious though, how, you know, you got into your practice like 15 years ago? 17. 17. Okay. So I'm how much older, what percentage though, like when you started was cosmetic as opposed to now. And I, I'm just kind of curious how your practice has just changed and evolved over the last 16, 17 years. It's like night and day. So when I started my practice, Botox had been approved that year, so it was 2002, exactly the year I started. Okay, And so we did it and we learned it in residency, but we did not have very much experience with it at all. Right. Uh, Restylane was the only filler that had been approved. So Juvederm and Belotero and all these other fillers hadn't, had not even been FDA approved yet. Um, so that was it. There were some lasers, some really basic lasers and peels, and that was it. So everything was medical. I was like 90% medical, you 10% are. cosmetic. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just exploded. This industry exploded. So my practice from 17 years ago to now looks like a totally different office. Yeah. Um, and I and I haven't really been opposed to the change. I think it's nice. We still have that balance. We still do a ton of medical, but the cosmetics is, is exciting because you know you, you it literally you work with your hands. It's it's fun. It's like creating, and it's enjoyable. And if you're good at it. People love you. And I just got a call today from this woman. She she must be close to 70. And she left a message with my receptionist and said, what you did to my lips this time was the most spectacular thing. I love you. Thank you so much. And I know that sounds maybe a little superficial to somebody. I'd rather they say you saved my life from skin cancer. But, right. you know, for her, it's it's a happy day. And so I'm happy to be able to do that and give people that little bit of pleasure that you can give them. Totally. You know, I obviously comment a lot about Instagram and sort of the superficiality that our cultures become obsessed with. And on the one hand, if you're making somebody feel better about themselves and raising their confidence, that's a great thing. But I mean, how do you see people that are just becoming obsessed with their looks and, and they just they will never be happy? I mean, I'm just kind of curious a little bit more about sort of the like the in the ins and outs of your practice and, and what's going on and what you're seeing. And I mean, of course, it's exciting. And I'm sure your practice is booming. But I mean, do you ever feel as though you have to say something to somebody that 
or is it really none of your business? And and obviously, you know, absolutely no. So, of I mean, course, what, you have do, to do back you, people down all the time. So I would say that you know the advent of the selfie really changed the face of cosmetics. So people come in all the time now and say, I don't like the way my face looks in my photos. And you know, their photos are selfies. And sometimes it's with their friends, but a lot of them are selfies. So, and then of course you look and see what they're complaining about. And if it's legitimate, okay, let's, let's fix it for them. But if it's not legitimate, of course you have to, you know, talk them off the ledge and tell them no. I mean, I have a pretty nice normal crowd in my office. So most of the things that they want to fix are really simple, right? I'm not a plastic surgeon, remember. I'm not doing crazy things um, on people who don't have that problem that they're coming in stating that they have. And I think the dermatologist can easily say no, because again, we're not desperate. We have so much medical, so many medical patients, you know, clamoring, banging down our door to get in. So, you know, if we say no to doing a little bit of cosmetics, there's going to be 10 other patients needing their skin exam. So I don't feel like we're a desperate crowd. I think there are a lot of other practitioners that are desperate. They'll do anything, you know, oh, you want a little bit of this? Oh, let's do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they're selling them stuff that they don't need. And that's something that I don't approve of. Right. You know, Snapchat and Instagram, they have these filters and do they, do people like literally pull out their phones and show Instagram photos saying something like, something like, you know, I want to look like this or why can't my, or. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, that's, so this is a real thing. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And I would say that the, the hardest thing is when somebody wants, okay, let's specifically like a, a certain kind of lip and I want Gigi Hadid's lips and they don't have that structure. That's where we come in and educate them and tell them. That's impossible. I can't literally give you somebody else's lips, right? Unless you, you know, stick some Gore-Tex in there and and you know some kind of molding, which doesn't exist. You know, we're not going to do that. So we can explain to them what we can do. But yeah, people want other people's body parts all yeah. the time. Yeah, <laughs> and it's I know what you're getting at. Are you you know it's is it strange? I don't know. I mean, we always flip through magazines and want to look like the top model. So I don't think it's necessarily different it's just more accessible yeah i think it's so interesting people will respond to me and say well it's always been like this and on the one hand yes but i do think instagram and our phones has sort of exacerbated everything and now everybody has the potential to sort of look their best or like a model because of filters and they can sort of curate their looks and pick and choose very much like a photographer or an editor of a magazine. It's almost like we're our own photographer, we're our own editor, and we are our own magazine, and we can sort of show to the world what we want people to look like. And, you know, I I just, I do think there is sort of an unhealthy response to that. I I feel like, I don't know. I I I think it's unhealthy that the magazine industry also did it for so many years and still does it, right? Yeah, I mean, those uh-huh. models are gorgeous, but they're completely airbrushed. Yeah. So attaining that beauty, that glass skin, that those hips, those that waist, we know that those women are thin, but they're completely photoshopped. Right. Remember, wasn't there that big thing with the Jennifer um, Jennifer Lawrence? And she oh, refused yeah. to go on the cover of Cosmo 10 years ago. Tiny woman, right? Thin, beautiful woman. And they wanted to Photoshop her waist even more. She's like, absolutely not. That is not me. That is not me. I don't want to Photoshop my waist. I don't want women to think that I'm unhealthful. 
right. and have this ridiculous waste that nobody's going to be able to attain. So like, you know, I think that we've always had it and with Instagram, I mean, these women are beautiful, but there are beautiful women. I do believe you can find beautiful women everywhere. Yeah. Instagram, you can find them when you're vulnerable at night, all alone in your room, feeling, you know, super insecure more than maybe just flipping through a magazine. But you just got to shut that stuff off, I think. I mean, I think that and healthful people who have other things going on do shut it off. Yeah, that's the key. I, I just, you know, I think a lot of people often don't have a lot of other things going on per se, or they use it in their free time because it's sort of an easy go-to instead of reading a book or putting the phone down and having a conversation with your spouse. Uh, I, I just, it's sort of, has this magnetic pull where we're just we're just drawn to the platform and we think we're just sort of mindlessly scrolling but then those photos are in fact uh impacting changing us changing our brains yeah do you, do you agree or i think that is correct now i'm not a neuro or a behavioral you know psychologist yeah. psychiatrist or developmental neurologist but i'm sure there are studies that show that those images do play a role but again, I, I think that we've always had images. Yeah, you know, definitely. Are video games any different? I don't know. I, I I mean, I flipped through Vogue. I had Vogue pictures all over my wall. Did it, did it make me insecure and want to be a model? No, I guess I was just inspired by it. So it's like it's like any inspiration board. You know, your yeah. inspiration board might have musicians on it and yogis and people screaming at Instagram. Right. <laughs> my inspiration board is different this year than it maybe was last year. But I think it's in a way... I don't feel like it harms my brain. Is it because my brain is fully developed? I'm not sure. Is it because I have other things going on? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of both. I was listening to an interview of some sort. You know, these problems, whether it's gun issues, the magazine issues, uh, the glamorization of, of beauty and external beauty, these, these issues have been around for the last 50, 60, 70 years, maybe even longer. But Instagram, I just think, has amplified it all. Is it like bad candy or something? Like it's just going to pollute our bodies? Well, because it's got this strange sort of, you know, when you turn on a, a, a television, you know what a commercial is. When you open up a magazine, you know what the advertisement is. But when you open up Instagram, you don't know what's real, what isn't, because they look sort of just like your friends. They're just sort of the people that you follow. But then they are able to manipulate them and make themselves look a specific way. And there's a very sort of addictive quality to them, uh, the way the algorithms work, and they sort of know what's a post and sort of come through, so they know that you're staring at it more often. Um, I just, I think there's just something more clever going on with... Than we know. Than we know, and it's more... Like, we know that... Uh, Calvin Klein, they just want us to buy their cologne. I mean, it's, of course, they're using sex. It's just, it's really simple. It's just A plus B equals C. Yes. But I think with the creators and how, and everybody's Instagram is different. You know, Calvin Klein has one advertisement, bam, that's that. I just think there's a, a deeper complexity to the program than any of us really. Maybe we should be spies and just work for Instagram for a year and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll realize, you know what, it's just advertising. It's just getting in our heads. But I do have a very good friend who 
loves the pinpoint advertising. She's like, if if they think I want to buy this certain thing, cool, advertise it to me. I will buy it. My hmm. life is so busy. If I want it, I'm not going to buy it if I don't need it. But yeah, cool. I, I'm so glad I didn't realize that existed. So I think there are people that op- approve and enjoy the the ease that <laughs> that advertising yeah. comes to them. So pinpoint. And I was shocked when she said it because I feel invaded. But maybe we're not going to feel invaded after getting having it being done to us for so many years. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe in 10 years we'll laugh at this podcast and say, what the hell are we talking right. about? What's the most popular, um, like what are the most popular treatments in your practice right now? I would say the trends are, well, an interesting trend is that the younger and younger people are doing injectables. Medically, they're coming in earlier for their skin exams. For whatever reason, they're more educated about it. Maybe dermatologists are doing a good job. Maybe the AAD is doing a good job at at getting that out because everybody does need a skin exam. So younger, younger and younger people are doing that. And then what I was getting at originally was younger and younger people, yes, are doing injectables. And of course, it's because of the Kylie influence and you know yeah. the products and this and that. But I would also say the trends are, I mean, in LA, kind of strange maybe, but the like the transgenders want to need to change everything besides doing you know the surgeries that they need to do. They need to often want to change their face. So they, yeah. uh, you know, male to female, female to male, if you have to feminize a man's face or if you have to ma- make a woman's face more masculine, there are ways of doing that. It's kind of a weird, it's an interesting trend. It's happening yeah. more and more. Well, what um, can a dermatologist do? I mean, I would just think they would have to go to plastic surgeon, but what things can you do where they don't have to do that? Oh, you don't have to go to plastic surgeon. I mean, of course, plastic surgeons can do the injections. I should say you don't have to do surgery on your face. You can soften certain lines, of course, with Botox. You can create a bigger jaw for a woman who wants to look more like more masculine. You can soften a man's face and make him feminize. So oftentimes men will have a very heavy brow and it's a very masculine thing to have that. And that's great. Um, you know, you can look at a picture of Brad Pitt and he has a very heavy brow on a woman. She would look like she was about to croak, but on a man it's sexy and normal. And that, and then to feminize a man's face with Botox is actually pretty easy. You just soften the muscles and make the, like the muscles less, less bulky. Cause a man, the way a man can usually build a lot of muscle on the body, right. he can also build a lot of muscle on the face. And that's probably a testosterone thing. Women, we just can't build that kind of muscle. So you soften those big muscles on their face and make them look more feminine. Yeah. And again, the women just building bigger, bigger structures, usually heavier brows and heavier jaw lines, that kind of thing. And are you seeing people in high school come to get Botox? Oh God, no. Okay, no, so it's so not it's, that young. It's no, no, not that young. So the youngest I ever did um, Botox and the youngest patient was an 18-year-old boy. So he was legal, adorable. Right. He said that you know his parents said when he was 18 he could do it. Um, and he did. He had a pretty impressive furrow on his forehead. It made him look like a 70-year-old man. It was adorable, mm. but he was not. He had a tiny little cute young face with this heavy brow, or I should say a thick, thick, thick um, furrow. And we softened it with Botox and it worked great. That's unusual. 18-year-old right. is very unusual. Early 20s for lips is not unusual. Late 20s is when they start doing a little bit of Botox. Yeah. And do you have to go like um, every couple months or? Yes. W- you do? If you really wanted to 
you know, do its job and only last three to four months, you have to come in three to four times a year. But some young people, they don't need to come in that often. Right. Every six months, sometimes every 12. But as we get much older, when those lines come back, it's very obvious. So women are coming in, I mean, yeah. excuse me, women and men every three to four months. And I'm just, I'm curious though, like when in your practice were you sort of like, oh shoot, I, I have to I have to start figuring out, or I have to go back to school and learn how to do Botox or, you know, hiring more practice and, and get um, knowledgeable about all this new stuff going on, because obviously this is the trend and sort of was it, just tell me about that. That's easy. Doing trainings throughout your career as a dermatologist is sort of a given. So when new products come out, usually the companies offer trainings. They want practitioners to be using their products and right. you know buying the products from the company and using it on the, the patient. So the trainings, they're free. They'll You can have an expert trainer come to your office. You can go to an expert trainer's office, and usually they have a couple of dermatologists or plastic surgeons or PAs or nurses. Um, and there are also, I hate to say this, this term because it sounds like you don't know what you're doing, but there are a lot of weekend courses. Obviously, board-certified dermatologists and board-certified doctors don't know everything because after residency, there are a lot of things that come out. So there are these weekend seminars that can you know, help you keep up your craft. Right. They're all Every weekend, there's probably something you can go to. Trainings all the time. Right. You know, if once you get to know, you know, a, a procedure really, really well, you're doing it all the time, you, you do become a master. Right. And then you can teach it. So you took over, your, you didn't take over your dad's practice, but your your I dad, did. you did. Yeah. I mean, is he still in practice? <laughs> he is. Okay. Yes. But that must have been really, just tell me, you know, as a kid, your dad's a dermatologist. Um, did you always know you wanted to get into that? Oh God, I had no idea. So tell me. No. Okay. I mean, I remember my sister and I would look at the magazines that he would bring home, the journals, the medical journals, and just just be so grossed out of these like gnarly rashes and yeah. STDs, that, you know, because they show everything in these photos. And I had right. no idea what my father did. And then at 16, I needed a summer job. So I filed uh, charts. I merged uh-huh. and purged, as we called it. That was back then when we didn't have electronic medical records. And then, you know, I was like, oh, this, this place is pretty cool. I mean, he seems like he's having a pretty good time. Uh, and then, you know, he'd come home at a decent hour. He didn't have to work weekends. So I guess I, I understood the lifestyle was great. And I did not know very much about the actual practice of dermatology. But when I started medical school, we had a, like a, a week of dermatology in the first year when you're just doing book stuff. But, so I when loved you, it. When you went to medical school, though, did you know you wanted to be a dermatologist? <sighs> Truthfully, I don't think I did. Yeah. I'm. I'm. It was a long time ago. So am I thinking... That I, you know, if I said, yeah, I wanted to do it my whole life, I would be lying. But I did have a bend towards it. So when we did that week, I loved, I knew, okay, then I knew. When we did that week and I was like, I got, I got, you know, A pluses on everything. So maybe it was in my blood somehow. I don't know. Maybe it was just a certain confidence that I had about it. I'm not sure what that was all about. But yeah, after that first year, I knew. I mean, when you got into it, it was probably just like, you know, acne, rosacea, Warts, warts, psoriasis, psoriasis, moles, skin cancer, medical, medical on top of medical term. Yes. It was not, like I said, it was not cosmetic. There were like three different lasers (laughs) and which is, you know, now that there's 50 different lasers. Um, But yeah, so I didn't go into it knowing that I wanted to do cosmetics at all. 
Yeah. And I went into it because I thought the skin was fascinating. But the beauty of being a dermatologist, truthfully, is when you're really, really well trained, you can look at something and in three seconds, you know what it is. Right. 98% of the time. So that's there, there, there's that 2% of the time where, okay, you don't know exactly what it is, but you know how to go about it. You do a biopsy or you do a culture. You, so it's very comfortable going to work. I'm not right. biting my nails wondering what is the, you know this rash what is this lesion we we know we know it's just a it's a, we're once you're well trained it's very fun practicing derm yeah yeah i i just i imagine when you got into it though you had no idea it was going to be like this absolutely not yeah no and it kind of happened slowly <laughs> this whole beauty craze thing did happen slowly so i sort of forgot the way it used to be all medical and i feel like this is the way it always was no it's it's not true obviously you know now i'm 50 percent medical 50 percent cosmetic but i don't think i don't remember when it was 90 percent medical yeah. i just feel like this was always the way it was because it did happen very slowly over the last 17 years as a doctor as an expert what are some things that you would suggest to people if they don't want to have anything done botox but just things good Good skin habits? Yeah, like what are some good skin habits that you would suggest? I mean, I use Kiehl's. Oh. Is that bad or is that good? No, Kiehl's is lovely. (laughs) I mean, there's so many good skincare lines out there. And I say whatever works on you, you use. There's one product for everybody. What would you recommend, though? Okay, so number one, sunscreen. Right. Number two, sunscreen. Like like 20 or higher or 30? 30 to 60. 30 to 60, okay. Number three, sunscreen. Right. So I'm getting the trick, sunscreen. <laughs> okay, actually, no, there's... So the, the top three would be sunscreen, Retin-A, or Retinol. What's that? Retin-A and Retinol are their, their peeling agents, exfoliating agents. Exfoliating, so okay. It's vitamin A. What does vitamin A do? It, it helps unplug, unroof. So it was originally invented for acne years and years ago by Arnold Kligman. Um, and the patients who were in the studies 20, 30 years ago wanted to stay on the Retin-A. And the the scientist behind this research said, why do you want to stay on Retin-A? Your acne's gone. It's an acne medicine. What's the deal? Oh, it makes my skin feel very smooth. And then they went further and did some more studies and realized, oh, it does peel the skin. So Retin-A is excellent to help get rid of all acne problems. But as you get older, it's the only thing that really exfoliates and makes the skin slough faster than it naturally would. Okay. And then vitamin C. So vitamin C is the antioxidant that helps repair damage from free radicals, which is pollution and age and smoking and all the shit that happens to our skin. And how do you, you get use how do you get vitamin how do you get vitamin C on your skin? Uh, usually in a serum okay. is how it stays the best. Uh, you know, it stings a little bit. It's ascorbic acid. It's a version of an acid. Ascorbic acid's a very weak peeling agent, but it mostly repairs the damage. So sunscreen, retin A, vitamin C. Got it. Got it? And long sleeves and hats, don't forget. Right. And sleep. And sleep yes. and, 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 you know, green tea and yeah. yoga and omega-3 and six fatty acids. I mean, I could go on and on. Well, so then let's say somebody is curious about something in your practice, what's, but they're nervous. What would be sort of the first or a couple, like what's micro, microdermabrasion or if, if, you know, if somebody was curious about having something, you know, a little this, a little that, what, what, and, 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 and it's safe. Oh, yeah. So if somebody's nervous but curious, you get a facial. And in a facial, you can get a little peel. You can get a little microderm. You can have a pumpkin mask. You can have little tiny bits of of exfoliants and things applied to your skin. And then, of course, you have 
this esthetician who has a wealth of knowledge. So you can, you know, chew on them on their ear for 30 to 60 minutes and ask them all your questions. Right. I, I make a pyramid in my office. I have this pyramid about all the skincare that people should be on and all the different procedures that people should be on because it's very confusing. So your question is completely legitimate. There's so much out there and there's so many trendy things that come and go, but I sort of have the, a way of describing and explaining what people should use on their skin and then what procedures they need. And it's pretty understandable once you see it in that schematic. Right. So but after the facial, then it, it gets a little bit more invasive like the Botox, I mean, is that sort of the next level up? Or? I would say the next level from a facial would be microderm, like you said, or a peel. Okay. And then microneedling. And microneedling is exactly what it sounds like. These baby, baby needles, tinier than the size of your pore, that are stamped, you're numb, so you don't feel anything, are stamped on your skin in a very specific way to basically make channels and the, and then afterwards you can put something on top of it. So you can put vitamin C on top of it. Right. You can put PRP, which is platelet-rich protein or platelet-rich plasma, which has all the growth factors. Um, and that helps build collagen. So microneedling itself is micro injuries. And when you heal, you heal with more collagen. And then all the stuff you put on top of it that gets delivered because you've made these channels also helps build collagen. So that would be the next step. Okay. And then after that would be, yes, Botox, fillers, the, all the injectables. Then after that would be the lasers. And after that would be surgeries. What are lasers? Um, I mean, I know what a laser is, but what sort of stuff is done with a laser? Everything. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> you could do... Almost anything with a laser these days. So brown spots, you can zap with a photofacial. Okay. Fine, fine, fine lines, you can have them resurfaced. You can tighten jowls and tighten areas with lasers, the tightening lasers. Um, there are ultrasound therapies that also tighten, which isn't necessarily considered a laser, but it's a machine. So right. It's, it's a different therapy. Um, almost any problem can be addressed with a laser if you're young enough. If you're too far gone, if your skin is too inelastic and it's sort of lost all of its bounce, right. then surgery is really the only option. But up until that point, there are there's a laser to help usually. Yeah. But that gets very expensive. So, you know, that's part of the reason why these are tiered pr- procedures because the expense goes up as as you get more extreme. And then what's um what's SKN? SKN? Yeah. SKN is my skincare line. Okay. Yeah. And why did you develop a skincare line and why did you feel like that that's was a great question. It was long time ago before anybody existed, right? Before Murad, before Peter Thomas Roth, before all these docs, all these germs got into the game. My dad had about five items because he had done an infomercial years ago, like 30 30 years ago. Again, he was kind of a renegade, but he wasn't a businessman or like a marketer. So it never really, it just stayed in the office, which is great. Yeah, You know, a cleanser, a scrub, a toner, a moisturizer, and a sunscreen. It was perfect. And so when I became a dermatologist, I was like, you know, we need to snazz these things up and make them sexier and make them a little bit more appropriate, a little bit more sort of in tune with what the young people needed. Because his stuff was very basic and more for like the older woman. So a lot of acne products, a lot of cleansers, a lot of moisturizers, really amazing sunscreens. And then all the, you know, dermatologists sort of all started having their lines. Yeah. So it wasn't feel as special, but it's still special to us because, you know, we love the formulas. We love, you know, you get your favorite products and you don't think anything compares to it. 
Yeah. Like your little baby. Yeah. Do you feel as though the visual sense is, is taking over? Taking over in life and everything? Yeah. If you're visual... Yeah, well, you know, I mean, some look, people I know are, your practice. Some people are, are not visual, right? Some people are, you know, they their senses are, are different. Their ears are more powerful than their visual. Well, yeah, I mean, visual. logically, Maybe. I think logically speaking, yeah, of course, I, I think, you know, I'm a musician. My ears are really sort of keen and, and attuned to sound. But, I mean, if you experiment with just a thousand people i just think the eyes have sort of smashed down the other senses and maybe because you're a dermatologist i don't know i'm pretty visual i most likely probably have always been visual because you know i was an art history major so i probably always loved that sense more than the other senses although i didn't maybe realize it do yeah. i think it's more important than the other senses? no i'm not saying it's no. more important no i mean i just feel like over? it's taken over i feel like it's become more of a, a priority to people or it's the strongest sense it's easy to exploit right i guess you can sort of see it like that in terms of you know, back to the Instagram. Because here's thing. the thing, you know, if you're even eating dinner, um, you're really not tasting because you're looking at your phone. If you're going to a concert and <gasps> oh, you're terrible. not really listening it, listening to the show, if you're, you know, also videotaping and everybody is bringing their phone, I, you know, I just think that to me, that's sort of this mystery to Instagram and the cell phone. It's 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 weird. We're watching Chernobyl right now mm, on HBO. I loved it. And what's so powerful about it is that you can't really see, except for those that are really close that get you know ripped to shreds. You can't really see its effect. No. And I think I really do compare Instagram to that. And I think we, it is shaping our culture and so, our priorities in a way that I don't think any of us really know. Okay, so the more I watch Instagram and, and look at Instagram, my face is going to fall off like in <laughs> No, I think I think it's... I'm kidding, I understand. No, I know. I think it's sort of ripping our priorities and our souls and transferring our, our brains and our priorities. And I, I only brought up the analogy because... You can't see the effects, and I think. Well, and I think the funny thing is, is that Instagram satisfies that dopamine sort of thing, and it does make people feel good because course. they get likes and they get attention, and that's what's so sort of sneaky about it. And I, I, I don't maybe know. Maybe I'm the kind of person that just gets bored of things easily because I hear you, and I do get that synthetic squirt of adrenaline and dopamine. You know, first after I see certain things, but I also get bored of it. And when I do have a moment to sit there and, and scroll, I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn something interesting or see something interesting. And then afterwards, you realize, you know what? I didn't actually see or hear or, yeah. or anything interesting. And then I realize, okay, I'm not missing out if I don't stay on top of it. But again. We have an Instagram account. I don't, we post, but I don't obsess over the likes. Right. Because I guess I personally don't need that. I don't need that in my practice. I don't need that for my personal self. Yeah. But I, I think... do, I love that it's there for me if I want to. 
And it's just an amazing amount of information that's at your fingertips. Those people were still doing that. Yeah, I think you and I, because we're older, and I even think like the age of, I'm cutting off 35. I do think people that are below the age of 35 prioritize. And I'm speaking as if I'm like staring at my phone. I, I barely stare at Instagram anymore. It's like not a part of my life, but I do think that they do. There's a reason why there's more anxiety and more depression, a lot of bullying, and we're all sort of getting information from so many different places that we don't know what's true anymore. Yes. And so I just think you add all of that up and it's created sort of this chaotic emotional world that we live in and I mean, I do think the reason, besides being a great doctor, I really believe what percentage of the reason your practice is so busy is because I think people are staring at perfect-looking pictures all, pretty much all the time. And it's one thing if it was just in Cosmo or if it was just in GQ. But when it's everywhere, it just it's more, 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 so then it creates more insecurity because everybody you see looks like they have great skin and it's sort of this ripple effect. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, it's a different, it's just prior. Our priorities are just all completely different now because of it. I hear you. I do. And you know, I think people can aspire to so many different things. And when they just aspire to have perfect skin, because that woman has perfect skin, that's pretty lame. I agree. And that comes back to just having other things going on in your life. But yeah. in terms of us being super busy because of Instagram, I wouldn't say that is true. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe yeah. that's why everybody's knocking down my doors. But God, I would hope that it's because they want to just be healthy, right? And and make sure they don't have skin cancer or because they have their rashes or their acne or this or yeah. that. But I guess I, and I think you're right, we're so much older. It doesn't affect me the way... It might affect my 14-year-old daughter who, yeah, she's obsessed with those likes. They're, by the way, they're much more into Snapchat, just so you know. Yeah, but do, I mean, do you talk to her about? All the time. And so do you, what do you talk it's about? An ongoing battle, right? It is. You know, so she's 14 or he? 14, she. She. And trying to put the limits, trying to put the hour limit, the two-hour limit on the weekends, the this, that. You know, it's hard because we're not always there. And they're on their phones at school. And the biggest problem, in my opinion, is that they need those damn laptops for school. So how easy is it when you're on your laptop for math or science, whatever? You're just going on the internet. And, of course, everything's there as well. I mean, like, you can go on Instagram on a laptop, too. It doesn't have to be on your phone. Right. So that drives me insane. So she's doing her homework. But, yeah, I see her move over to doing stupid non-scholastic things all the time. And that's where I, f- I get worried that they're going to have a very hard time focusing on one thing at a time. Is she ADHD? Is she ADHD? I don't know. Is it just the internet? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I it's think a little we, freaky. I think we all sort of have to be really great at multitasking now. Yeah. Um, That's true. It's just the reality. Is it, do you have, does that mean that you have ADHD? No, I don't think so. But I think that's sort of, I'll, I know you have to go. I just, a little bit, a few more questions and I'll let you go. Um, but I do think there are going to be less and less people like us and more and more people like your 14 year old. Because they're trained early to just. Yes. And so I just think the Chernobyl effect, I just, I think that sort of mindset is going, is, is more and more prevalent every single year and generation. I mean, do you feel as though she cares too much about her likes? It's such an interesting question. I feel like she's also getting a little sick of it. 
Yeah. I think that that's where that's encouraging. I imagine we all get bored of stuff and that's made it part of the problem is that we always need something new and we always need something exciting, right. but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe those 14 year olds won't be like that in 20 years because they're going to get sick of it. It's going to be boring scrolling through that stuff all the time. The Instagram boring. Plus she's going to, she's entering high school. So she's got to focus on her studies. I do think that, you know, the, hopefully the demands of life will pull them back into what we remember as like yeah. <laughs> real life. I hope, I think that, you know, they come when they're, they come from a loving family and they hopefully have some great either parental guidance or, or adult guidance. It just reminds them that there are other things that take priority. I can't imagine that it's going to be the phone all the time forever. I just can't imagine I, that. I, I mean, hope I'm right. I, I hope you are, but I just, I'm, I don't mean to be glass half empty here. But that phone is so freaking powerful, and especially for people under the age of 25. And it gives people the impression, you know, those moments of sort of solitude, boredom, where you're just like hanging out, that is impossible for people well, to do now. Apparently, those are the times where you're the most creative. Yes, right? I read a book you called need, Bored yes. and Brilliant, which if you yes. haven't read it, is fucking amazing. Okay. Bored and Brilliant. It's called Bored and Brilliant. I mean, think about it. The one place where we have right now where we cannot be distracted by anything is when we take a shower. And I actually... Just wait. There's probably going to be a waterproof screen next year. I know. Well, people are going to start doing like, you know, shower selfies now next week. (laughs) No, but I think because you have 10 minutes where you can't... I mean, I come up with some of my best ideas while I'm taking a shower or while I'm driving. Yes, I mean, for sure. it's, it's a reality. I agree. No, I agree. And, and I have not read that book, but it's something I'm definitely interested in. And I, you know, when you really do read and talk to people who are so creative and they come up with stuff when they're like sitting doing nothing, yeah. I don't think those kids know that yet, but they're going to have those moments. And hopefully if they do stay educated, they're going to realize, okay, they need to have those da- that downtime. Yeah. It's not all about the phone. And I would say that I can't even believe what I described what my, you know, my daughter's problem is that, you know, she has to do her work on a laptop and then she can go over and do all her other fun stuff as well. I do the same thing. I have to check my emails. I have to check. I have something called Clara in the office. I've checked my emails. I have to do my EMR and I do it all on my phone. I'm always flipping over to my fun stuff. My, sometimes my Instagram, not always Instagram, but my texts. It's like, I'm doing the same damn thing. Maybe I'm not even realizing it, but I'm getting my stuff done. Yeah. And I also don't think I'm getting distracted. And I, you're right, we're multitasking, but it is hard because your work and your play is on your phone. It's so hard to separate them. Yeah, I mean, when you know, when we were younger, it was there was really one television. There was one television in the house. Was it black and white or color? No, it was actually color. Thank oh, God, nice. I'm not 95. <laughs> but no, but there was just one television, and I remember we had two phones. And and so it was so much easier for parents to police oh, yeah. and sort of control what their kids' brains are sort of getting influenced by. And now with these walking, with the computers being able to be in your pocket now, I'm sure it's just so much more challenging. That's, that's I guess that's, and fortunately, your kids have a mom that cares or despite being busy, you know, tries to do whatever you can. I just think even adults, I do think, are sort of going down the rabbit hole of of, of the dopamine it's of Instagram. <laughs> it's, it's easy to it's an easy sort of time sucker. Yes. So knowing all of this is going on, I think that's just it's creating a culture now that is sort of a bit chaotic. Okay, so we should all read that book. Yeah, bored and brilliant. I'm totally gonna. It's get really that. good. 
God. Yeah. I can't wait. Tonight I'm going to buy it on Amazon. There's so many dermatology practices out here. It's probably the most booming specialty. Is that fair to say oh in Los God, Angeles? Thanks. So. Oh yeah, that e- and like plastics. easily. Yes. How do you stand out? How do you differentiate yourself? Why should people come to you instead of all these other practices? I mean, obviously, you're so busy that. You know, you don't have to worry about it too much, but you know, what makes your practice different from all the others? Such a great question. I would say something that people really want to hear is that we still take insurance. Yeah. That's exciting because there are so many dermatologists that don't. We still see medical patients. Same thing. There are so many dermatology practices that are solely cosmetic now. Wow. So that is a trend. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And guess why? Because well, it's the only way to make any money. Yeah. And but I would be bored out of my mind. I'd kill myself if I you know had to do that all day. I love it, but not all day. I want to see disease. I want to see skin cancer. I want to do all the things that I was trained to do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I hear it all the time, and I'm tooting my horn in a, in a sense, but I'm also sad for people out there who go to a dermatologist who spent literally three seconds with them, didn't give a darn. Their MA, their PA, whoever took care of everything because once the dermatologist realized they weren't a cosmetic patient, oh, you know, they don't give a darn. Yeah. Um, so I just don't, I feel like, you know, it's sort of cheesy, but we we care. I, I want to do a good job with everybody, whether yeah. they're here for psoriasis or whether they're here for Botox. So I would say that that would be a way that I stand apart. And of course, there are great dermatologists out there. There's so many of my colleagues that I love and and I send to them for whatever reason. And I, I'm so happy to hear that the patients love them because I'm always a little nervous too. If I send them elsewhere, are they going to be treated poorly? Are they going to be rushed? Are they going to get taken care of the way we take care of them? Um, and usually it goes pretty well if they if they go to some place that I've referred them. Um, you know, I just say that I'm kind of old school in a, in a modern way. Yeah. And I feel like you really... You always took your time and you care, and it, it did feel as though you were excited to see me because I wasn't coming in for like Botox or you had like real cosmo- disease. Yeah, like I had right? real stuff. Oh, how fun! It's fun. It's like yeah. a puzzle. But I remember I had like these um, sebaceous oily- hyperplasias. What is it called? Sebaceous hyperplasias. So technically, I guess I did have a little cosmetic done because oh, yeah. Because okay. they were, but they, they were like oil. How do you scri- how do you describe them to somebody who has no idea what you're talking about? I would describe them as overgrown oil glands. People okay. think they're whiteheads and blackheads, but they're not because you can't extract them. They just sit there, yeah, and they're they just these little really donut-looking, skin-colored things. And they're just you know people who are oily get them, and we just cauterize them. Yeah, it hurts like hell, but it works. It and you got to do it every year because you're going to make new ones. Oh well, it's, okay. Maybe I'll have to come back because I haven't noticed them as much. Oh, good. I did but, a good job. But you did tell me, or somebody told me that it's actually good to have oily skin. I did. Yes. Why is that? Oily compared to dry is right. better because the, the wrinkle. Well, stuff. and you know, cosmetically, that's a good reason. Yes, because there's potentially less chance for wrinkles. But if you have dry skin, it's tight. It burns. It stings. You got to lube up all the time. If you have oily skin, it's like literally like a natural <sighs> lubricant. Feels better. Yeah. It's not tight. It's not itchy. As we get older, we lose the oils in our skin all over our bodies. And you see these people. When I see them, these older people. 
their skin is so dry. Yeah. I just want to put like oil all over them and they don't even notice because, you know, for whatever reason they don't see it, but it's not comfortable. Yeah. And then of course you can get eczema and all that other stuff. So oily is better unless oily makes for acne, then patients hate their oily skin. But in general, I'd rather have oily than dry. Yeah. Yeah. And we want a glow. A glow is good these days. Yeah. So you can be found in Beverly Hills on, I think, Rexford or Bedford? Which one is it? <laughs> Rexford, Bedford, no, you know. <laughs> which street is it? I forget. It's so cute. We're on Bedford. That's right, Bedford. And you're also in Culver City now <laughs> yes. on Overland. Correct. Wow, yeah. good. Yeah. Overland, Scotland, no, no, Ireland. But, no, but there's all those Fords in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Rexford and Bedford. and Well, I think those are the only two, I actually. <laughs> I knew it was one of them. Awesome. You're right across the street from the Rite Aid. That's just so cute. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're gonna, you have to like book like two months out now or something, right? Well, of course, if people have an emergency, we will always try and squeeze yeah, them in. Yeah, you actually squeezed. that's the other thing that I feel yeah. like we're good about. You've you know, squeezed like, me in that yeah, one time. Yeah, you know, I'll come early. I'll stay late. You know, I don't. And my, by the way, my staff is also trained to know. Like, I think everything comes from the top down. They also love the patients. They don't even know these patients, but they love them. They want to take care of them. Even the most difficult ones, we try and bend over backwards for. So yes, on Bedford. Yeah. I'm on Bedford. <laughs> There's going to be people driving on Rexford. <laughs> like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> I can't find her. There's plenty of other things happening on Rexford. Um, but that's not where we are. <laughs> no, but you're on Bedford. You can be... So in, what's your Instagram handle? Rappaport Dermatology, Rappaport with one P. R-A-P-A-P-O-R-T and then yes. Dermatology. And right. did, is, has having an Instagram been uh, had a big impact on your... I would say it's fun. On okay. It, okay, so the Instagram to me is fun because what it does for me personally uh-huh. is it makes my daily job feel so much more special than I already think it is. Right. So I'm like, oh, let's get this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to excise this thing. Let's get this on tape and, and oh, or on cool. video and, and post it or just little things. And I guess I was also inspired by Pimple Popper, right? So everybody loves to see blackheads, whiteheads, cysts. We do a lot of that type of stuff. People love that. Or, or like little excising skin cancers and showing like a before and after closure. Yeah. I think Instagram has made it exciting for my staff and me just to kind of sort of show off how cool our job is, honestly. Yeah. And then, you know, for the, the cosmetic stuff, it's fun. But I think the medical stuff is more cool to post. Well, I had Gerald Manitti on, a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills. Do you, do you even know him? No, but I, he sounded cool. I want to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he loves Instagram because he actually shows procedures. I mean, he's completely addicted. He admitted it. But he loves to show procedures. and People and, love yeah. that. And that's also another thing that's happening on TV. Like that, the whole medical trend is booming. There are more and more medical shows, reality shows, but more more of those people want to see that stuff yeah so it's not just instagram eddie yeah it's also tv infecting our heads completely it's just <laughs> this this thing is in our pockets now right That's... causing testicular cancer <laughs> it Don't is put it in your pocket <laughs> wait is that true i mean there's a, a really famous brain surgeon at uh cedars who does not talk on this phone near his ear Interesting. And he's not a, you know, he's not like a freak. He's he knows science, right? Right. So if you don't want it near your ear, he, he can't prove that it causes brain cancer, but he certainly doesn't want to take a chance. So yeah. And even those stupid Wi-Fi ear earbuds aren't great either. You really should just be on speaker, which is totally annoying. But that's what <laughs> you should do. At least you're going to live another twenty five yeah. years. Don't put it in your pocket. Yeah. Please. Well, Vicky Rappaport, 
She's on Instagram at Rappaport Dermatology. She's on Bedford. Uh, 274-4401 is her wow. number. 310-274-4401. I, I'm weird with numbers. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so definitely she's got, she's, you're like gotta be the top, one of the top dermatologists in uh, Los Angeles. I mean, how do I know that? Like I'm deep in it. If I really knew that I yeah. would be such a narcissist. Yeah. Who well, knows? Come, um, and, come and see for yourself, I guess. Well, I didn't let her know, but I'm actually going to have some Botox done right now. So I appreciate you coming here to give me some free Botox. That's really the only reason I wanted you here on the show. Oops. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you totally thought I was serious, right? No, I knew you weren't okay, serious because you're pretty good about details and you did not give me that detail. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Vicki, for uh, talking on the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. Amazing. I had a great time. Awesome. Thanks again. Okay.